Good morning, everybody. I'm uh, Preston Pitts, uh, elder at Common Ground, and uh, I am privileged to be able to lead us into the Word of God today. Um, this is an exciting time, and, but before we get started on that, let me tell you a story. Get the mood right. So, and this is a true story. So, go back to the eight, late 1850s, early 1860s, and there was a tightrope artist from France, and his name was Charles uh, Conklin, and he was known for his abilities, and he came over to the U.S., and they gave him permission to set up a tightrope from across Niagara Falls. And he was on the, all the way from the U.S. side to the Canadian side. And so he began to draw crowds, and he began to uh, perform. And he started out just really going across, but I don't know, how, how many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Anyway, it's tremendously loud. You feel the power of the water. And there, I saw some pictures of him doing this, and I'm like just amazed that he could truly go across and come back. However, what was even more amazing, he began to get a little more elaborate. So he did it blindfolded. He did it backwards. And then he did it on a bicycle. Then he took a wheelbarrow one day. He put potato, bags of potatoes in it, and he went across to the other side and came all the way back. And then he took the potatoes out of the wheelbarrow, and then he asked the crowd, do you believe that I can put a person in this wheelbarrow and go all the way across and all the way back? The crowd responded unanimously, we believe you can do it. We've seen you do these things. We know you're capable of doing it. We believe. And the crowd's loud. But then Charles asked the question to the crowd. Uh-oh, is right. <laughs> and he asked the question, and he said, now can I get a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow? How many people do you think volunteered? No one. A goose egg. So he continued with his career, and he continued gathering crowds. But let's pause on that thought for a moment. What is that telling us as Christians? Is there a lesson or an insight for us anywhere in that? Because this crowd said they believed. So essentially, what did they do? They believed with their head. They believed with their mind. They were not so convinced and convicted in their heart that they were willing to get into the wheelbarrow. And that is a little bit about our walk with the Lord. And so we are starting today with a four-part series about faith. And the, the series is really focused on chapter 11 of, uh, of, of Hebrews. And it is called the Biographies of Faith. And so chapter 11 of Hebrews is an interesting chapter. The chapter itself, uh, there's a focus on it about um, 
the fact that our, we are saved by faith and not by works. And, but the way the author did that is that he bundled it, he, he displayed that by going through the lives of various individuals that have been a living testimony to the faith of God. So that's why we call it biographies. We're going to go into the lives of different people and we're going to see how they responded and lived in faith with their walk with God. Now the interesting part is all of these people are different. And you will find there's not any special qualities about any of them that would cause God to draw them in and, and, and to put them, pick them out in particular for any particular reason. But they had one thing in common. They all believed God and they believed his promises and they believed his truths. And therefore, they all had that in common and they all... At the end of the day, you look at their life, they had a victorious life because they lived in faith and belief in God. And so we're going to go into these lives with the intent of looking at each one because each one responded differently. Each one had all types of different adversity. Each one had all different types of trials. And so we're going to explore that because at the end, our, our hope is that through this series, we will paint a picture for you of what that life is like in walking in faith with God and give us insights and not only insights to it, but also help us understand it's doable. A life of faith is achievable. And God has that as his, part of his plan for us to how to live. So let's go into our first biography. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to just point out three things about faith that I'd like you to keep in mind as we go through that. And that, number one, is our faith is in God and His words alone. Nothing else. Number two, that is the way to please God is by faith. And if you'll turn with me, I just want to read that part. That's Hebrews 11. Hebrews is you know, kind of the middle of the Bible. You know where you go back toward James. It's right in front of James. And so it's kind of toward the back of the New Testament. Back middle. Middle back. Hebrews chapter 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So a very important thing to keep in mind, if you want to please God, have a life that's pleasing to God, faith is the central part of that. So this series is really essential for us to understand that. And then the last point, so first point, God's the focus of our faith. Second, without faith it's impossible to please God. Number three, I want us to understand we don't walk in this life of faith by ourselves. Hebrews 12, chapter 2, so just turn over a page or so. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
So keep in mind that Jesus initiates our faith. He puts it on our heart, and he causes us to have a desire to walk in faith. But Jesus doesn't leave us. He stays with us to help finish the, our faith. But there is a requirement on us, and that is to stay close to Jesus, to abide. If you know, Derek teaches us about abiding. Well, this is one of the reasons that when we're living a life and walking in faith, you have to stay close to him, abide to him. He will help us with our faith. I don't know how many of you remember there is a section um, in Luke where Jesus comes down and his disciples can't heal this young boy. And uh, Jesus says, I'll heal, I'll heal your boy. And he turns to the father and he says, do you believe? And the father responds, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I used to think that was one of the strangest things in the Bible. But what that's really saying is there are times when we're walking in faith, but things come up against us, things change, ourselves included. We kind of begin to falter in our faith. So Jesus is saying, come to me, draw close to me. I'll stimulate your faith. I'll help you continue to walk in faith until it's perfected in you and it's deep in your heart. So with that, those three things keeping in mind, let's go to the life of Abraham. And if you, the, the life of Abraham, Abraham is outlined in Genesis chapters 12 through 25. So 13 chapters are given to, um, um, to the life of Abraham. And I'm going to, we're going to read today from uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 and verse 7, to ground us on the promise God made and the revelation that was given to Abraham by God. And then we're going to go into Hebrews, and we'll start with verse 8 and go through 16, and, uh, or 19. And uh, so, but first, let's just read this together. Now the Lord said to Abram, and his name was Abram at that point. God changed his name as his faith grew and his relationship with God grew. Um, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God made a strong promise to him. God revealed himself to him. And then God, um, Abraham responded by building an altar. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But a couple of things for us to keep in mind here is that um, Abraham came from an area called Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia was a pagan culture. It was truly a violent place to live. It was Mesopotamia at that time, um, a lot of self-centeredness, violence, self, uh, sexual immorality, and idolatry and even just false types of religions to take people into a pagan world. 
That's where Abraham came. Again, he had no redeeming qualities. It even said there's nothing that about redeeming qualities that Abraham had that he was chosen, but he was chosen. Very similar to us when Christ calls us. We don't have anything to offer. In fact, you look back on your life, you're like, wow, how could Christ pick me? Same type of thing with Abraham, but he was chosen. But the key is how did he respond? And so we go to verse 8. And verse 8 is a tiny little verse. And I've, written it, I've read it several times. And I just kind of skip over it. But we're going to go into a little detail today just to, detail's a bad word, it almost wants you to go to sleep, and I don't mean it that way. We're going to excitingly explore some of the words that are in, in uh, verse 8. <clears throat> Here's what my said, and I know everybody has a little different version. By faith, so this, I'm at Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed, we're going to stop there. By faith. Faith in what? His faith was in God, and his faith was in the promise that God gave him. So he knew he'd heard from God. He now believed God existed, and he had heard from God a promise. And he put his faith and trust into that. And so that's what God asks us to do when he reveals things to us. Put your faith in me. Trust me. For what I reveal, I will make happen. So that's another part of that faith. He believes that God will act to make the promise come about. And then the next word, key word, by faith Abraham obeyed. So a key point for us to understand is that Obedience must be combined with faith. And that is essential because if we, by acting in faith, what happens? Obedience. What that means is we're now living out what God has called us to do, and we're living where? We're now placing ourselves into the midst of the will of God, and there's no better place to be. So I'm hoping to start painting a picture for you that when you're walking in faith, you're drawing into this communion with God. God's revealing things to you, strengthening you, so that you are now begin to walk in the will of God. And there's no better place to be than that. And so... That's part of the power of the obedience is faith is to be combined with obedience for our faith is to be lived out to the glory of God. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today is living out our faith. And Abraham is a wonderful example of this. And he is, Abraham is known as the man of faith and he is known as the man that all believers will come through. All believers will come through the faith of Abraham. And so, when we talk, when we keep going, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
So talking of faith, picture this. You're in Mesopotamia, pagan world. You hear from God. Nobody around you even knows who God is, hardly. And you're called out to go to a new land. God says, I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance. But you got to go. And you're like, where am I going, Lord? And he doesn't tell you. So another aspect of, in verse 8 that's, that's described is that Abraham had to walk daily with God. He didn't know where he was going. Every day he had to commune with God to get there. And so a key point, and sometimes I've, I've read commentaries and they don't really talk about it much, but when we read, uh, if you want to, can you put uh, Genesis back up just for one second? The very last part. To your descendants I will give land, and there he built an altar to the Lord. When you go through those 13 chapters in Genesis of, of Abraham, you will see that he built altars. The altar is a holy place where you commune with God. It's where you talk to God, you hear from God. It's a place where you're praising God, worshiping God. So he set this aside so I'm telling you another characteristic of Abraham is he was a man that abided. And he, his, the way he abided was he would build the altars, he would commune with God, and, he would, and be in, his relationship would be strengthened with God through that. So Abraham was a man that paused to praise God, thank God, and to ask God, what next, Lord, type of thing. And so he continued on his journey and we're going to find that he actually made it to the promised land. Now, <clears throat> um, when, you, when you talk about abiding, excuse me, when you talk about abiding and when you talk about listening to God, I just put a verse up here. Um, so, and it's Romans 10, 17, just to remind us. So when, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. And I put this here because I just want to remind us <clears throat> a big part of our walk in faith is listening to God. And where's the best place for us to hear from God? Two primary places. There's other ways that God speaks. But two are the Bible and in prayer. So I just encourage you to read your Bibles. Uh, read with the expectation God will speak to us and reveal things to us. Pray, ask, ask God to reveal things to us. And so part of our walk should be that way too because when you hear from God, when you hear things, what does it do? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to build your faith, read your Bible, pray. God will reveal things to you to strengthen your faith. Remember, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, in wrapping up this section on verse 8, I'm going to try to put the comments here in a little different perspective. And what I'm going to tell you is that going back, Abraham was called to somewhere he didn't know. I'm not a big speculate guy, but I can just imagine his father saying, are you crazy, son? Some of the other people are like, what are you doing leaving your country leaving your protection, leaving us, and going out to a place you don't even know where you're going. Now, here's the contrast. 
for us that believe. Everybody else is telling Abraham, that's unreasonable. Why? That's unthinkable. Why would you do that? That's crazy. But I want to submit that when we're Christians who live in faith, the most logical, the most rational, the most reasonable thing we can do is to respond to God in faith. Because that's where God takes us into his will, puts us in the midst of his kingdom under his authority. Therefore, why would we want to be anywhere else? So for me, I can make many a testimony. I go and do my own thing, and I realize I'm way out of the will of God. Things don't go too well for me. But I can also give you a testimony when I follow God's will and I hear and I act in faith, it's wonderful and magnificent. Amen. Amen. So, so with that, I just encourage us to look at our life. It's a different way of living for us when we walk in faith. So with that, we're going to go to a little bit different topic. There are like three or four major things that the writer of Hebrews wants to bring out about the walk, walk of faith from Abraham. Uh, so we're going to go to nine, verse 9, 10, 13 through 16. But we're not going to go through them in all in detail. There's not enough time to do that. So I'm going to give you a little summary. In verse 10, he says, For he dwelt in the land of promise, in verse 10, but he waited for the city which the foundations whose builder and maker is God. For me, this whole section was very confusing to me um, because I'm like, what is he talking about? I'll give you the 10,000 foot. The writer is letting us know that Abraham didn't settle in the promised land. He made it to the promised land, but he, he lived in tents and wandered around. And in doing so... <coughs> it became evident that Abraham had got revelation from God that the true life that we have is walking with God while we're here on this earth, but we are to look to heaven as our ultimate goal. And so these scriptures are saying here, that's what Abraham understood. I'm going to read verse 16. For now they desire, which is Abraham and his family, of heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, so his view was of heaven. When he walked on earth, he had an eternal view. And think about that for a second. If we live this life with an eternal view, it changes our perspective on things. And we begin to turn more and more of things over to God. And we don't get so caught up in the world anymore. Our allegiance is to God. And if we like Abraham, if you want to put that up on the board, are pilgrims and sojourners while on earth. But our allegiance is to God. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are to live with an eternal perspective. Now put this in there just to remind us, because it sounds strange, we're pilgrims and sojourners, and that's a big word. I'm not even sure I, I didn't look it up, but I meant to. But it means that we're, we, are, we are pilgrims. We wander 
this earth, but that makes it sound like we're doing so aimlessly. That is not it at all. We are God's people, and our allegiance is to God. And if you actually look in, in Ephesians and in Philippians, Paul talks about our citizenship is in heaven. He wants us to have a perspective of eternity going with Christ into heaven and to living that life. And the words that are used here when it says, he has prepared a city for them in heaven, not unlike the words that Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to make a place for you. So Jesus is also calling us to always look upward, always to have an eternal perspective about things. However, I want to make sure we understand this. In the uh, Genesis that we read, it says, we are blessed to be a blessing. So we may be passing through this world, but we are God's people, and we are to be a blessing to other people. We are God's people, and Jesus reminded us to be salt and light. So we are to live here, but we're not just to seclude ourselves. We're to be vibrant people filled with joy and peace and wisdom and knowledge of God and sharing that with others, especially unbelievers, because that is what we're called to do. So this sojourner and uh, pilgrimage that we're on is really exciting. You think about it. We are God's people. We're under God's authority and command and, and protection. We're to live a life that's really supposed to be worry-free. I know the movie Lion King's coming out. This is truly a kuna matata. They, uh, we're supposed to be at peace. And that peace, though, comes from Christ. And so uh, when we're living here, we're to be a blessing. And so I don't want you to think this says we're secluded or anything. It just means we're drawn close to God and we get knowledge, wisdom, and power from God to live a life that's a blessing to others. So that's lesson number two of, of Abraham, uh, that he looked and confessed that he's looking to heaven. Then we get into verses 11 and 12. And 11 and 12... Um, is, I'm just going to call it, this is the moment of adversity and circumstances when they come up in your, your walk of faith. So picture this. Abraham and Sarah are supposed to be uh, having descendants coming through them as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. But uh-oh, they look at each other and go, we don't even have a son. How is this possible? And then Sarah's looking at Abraham and saying, you're almost 100 years old. You're almost dead. <laughs> it's, it's almost what it says in Romans. And then she's saying, I'm almost 90 years old. I'm way beyond the, able, the ability to conceive. So they say... We're going to help God out here a little bit. And they get an idea. Now, they don't want to miss the promise, so this is designed to help God fulfill his promise. And so they go to Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah, and they say, will you be the surrogate 
for, so that Abraham can have a child through you. And she agrees, and they have a child named Ishmael. And now this is a Dr. Phil moment. We're going to ask him, how did that go for you? <laughs> Not very well. Why? I mean, immediately, drama, trauma, undermining, broken relationships all begin to happen throughout the community of Abraham. Bad outcome. And then, bigger picture, Ishmael, and then they did have the son Isaac, their whole lineage has been at odds with each other throughout history. So, does it work well? So let's put that one up there. God is the, oops, sorry, wrong one. When we face adversity and challenges while waiting for God's promises to materialize, we shouldn't attempt to complete God's plan our way. Green light, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll continue to hold it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, so for us, it's a good reminder, always go back to God, increase your faith, and don't ever try to short circuit the will of God in your life. It just doesn't work well. He's a great role model for that. So now let's keep advancing with the life of Abraham. Now we go down to verses 17 through 19. 
And this section I'm going to call is basically a test of faith. In fact, it says in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. This is always a strange story. But God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the child of promise. Um, I apologize. I meant to look up exactly how old he is, but I think he's in his you know, 12 to 15 age range here. So he's, it's been a few years. Abraham's walk with God had, had, had continued. And if you read those 13 chapters, you will see that Abraham's walk got deeper and deeper with him. So when God called him to sacrifice Abraham, Isaac, the child of promise, Abraham was able to go through with it. His faith had increased so dramatically, he did not question God. Now, I don't want you to think this is some robotic type of response in faith. This is true faith. Why? He knew God said, there's a promise. He believed God would actively complete that promise. He just now didn't know how. But he learned, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I'm acting in faith. So just here's kind of what Abraham believed. If you go down to verse 19, Abraham concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up from the dead. He said, that's the only thing this can work, because I know God's going to use Isaac as the promised child and complete the, this. But there was a test. The test for Abraham was, do you love me and above everything else, even your son Isaac? And so when he was called to that test, he passed the test. And it was accounted, all of these, that everything has been going on, the faith and the, the obedience that Abraham has as a demonstrator was counted to him as righteousness. But I want to make a couple of points here. When you're walking a life of faith, you will be tested. And then the interesting part is when you're tested in your faith, you either pass or fail. I want to submit to you, failing's okay. Now, why do I say that? What's God's purpose in testing us? God's purpose in testing us is building our faith. He's not trying to make us look bad, make us feel guilty, not putting his wrath on us. All he wants us to do is to continue to walk in faith until what? Our faith is firmly rooted in the midst of our hearts. Why is that? When we have that type of faith, God can use us and work through us to accomplish things that only God can accomplish. And that's what Derek talks to us about all the time. God's plan is to work through his people. Think of a people of faith that have such faith, it's rooted in their heart. They know God's going to work it out. God's going to fulfill his promise and whatever has been promised. We know it in our heart of hearts. So that's what God's trying to do. You will be tested in your faith. And in doing so, if you fail, what do you do? You go back. And God says, okay, I, Jesus, remember, the perfecter of our faith. He's saying, I'm going to help you build that faith until it's deeply rooted in your heart. Let me give you an example. 
Preston Pitts had a business deal, he and his wife, and it went really bad. And the people were really lying, cheating, whatever kinds of things. And I say that with love now. But uh, uh, Linda forgave them pretty quickly. I didn't. So I asked God, help me with my unforgiveness. And I told Linda after a week or two of praying about it, I've forgiven them. I told God, I've forgiven them. One week later, I go to an event, and those people are there. I see them across the room. Bitterness, anger, agitation all swell up in me. I mean, I was shaking. I was so mad at seeing them. So had I truly forgiven them? No. And so God put me to the test. And he let me know, Preston, you have not forgiven those people. I went back to God. I truly, truly prayed and, and went through everything and asked God. And God healed me and made me have true unforgiveness. Now, this time it was about a month later, I run into them again. This time I talked to them. This time, in fact, we had such a good conversation, they called and actually had the nerve to ask me if I wanted to do business with them again. So uh, the answer to that was no, but, but I'm telling you, I did have forgiveness in my heart. So that's what I'm talking about. You're going to stumble in your faith, but God will test you. He's going to confirm it's in your heart. Why? He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to become more Christ-like, and he wants to build us up so we can be used by God to live a life that brings glory to God. And so that's really what I have here for us today is that. But I want to conclude with a couple of things. One, I'd like to leave you with just a few things, and that is that as we've gone through this life of Abraham, a couple of things stand out to me. Our faith is to be put in God and God's word and God's promises, and nothing else. Second, without faith, we can't live a life that pleases God. Third, that Jesus is right with us and helping us in, in our walk in faith. And fourth, you can't have faith without obedience. Obedience is critical. That's what puts action into your life. That's what moves you into the will of God, and that's what causes, allows God to use you and puts God at the right place in your life. And so I just want to leave you with those thoughts and, and ask you to pray about those things. And I would like to take a moment and just say, for any of you that don't know Jesus personally, Take a moment to look at the life of, of Abraham. He didn't know God. He came from a pagan world just like me when God called me. I mean, I came from such a bad place. I'm like, wow, same thing that he did to Abraham. So if, God, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to accept Jesus as your, to enter into a personal relationship with him as your Savior, I just encourage you to listen to that because remember the other aspect of, of why Abraham is here and actually elevated to be one of the most 
the strongest examples of men of faith is obedience. So if you don't respond and you don't act in obedience, if God is prompting you to do that, just remember that you may be missing out on something that's going to dramatically change your life. Now, I feel like an, old, an older pastor from 20 years ago that had a three-part close. I don't mean to do that to you, but one last thing in closing. <laughs> Our grandchildren are with us, and we went to a swimming pool the other day. Had a big sliding board, and it was one of those that goes like this. Had the four-and-a-half-year-old with us, and in fact, he was too small to get under the, the height limit. But we heard they were letting some little kids in. And so we went up and asked him. They said, yeah, he can, we'll let him go as long as you get down at the bottom of the slide when he comes down. And uh, so I go to the little one, four-and-a-half-year-old, and he's like, uh, I don't know if I really want to do this now that it's really happening. <laughs> and uh, um, so he's a little hesitant. But he gets the courage up, and he comes down the slide. And he's, it's one of these twirly things. And he hits the water, and I'm right there with him, and he goes down, and he bobs back up. And I'm thinking his first thing is he's going to be gasping for air. He gets up and goes, oh, my, that was the most exciting thing ever. Can we do it again? <laughs> and it was amazing, his response. Now, why do I tell you that? I would ask that you experience a life of walking in faith. Just give it a try. Ask God to help you with it. And, and if you need help from Derek or Paul or me or anybody else to help you with that, we're willing to do that. But give a walk of faith in your life a try. You, and my prayer is you're going to say, that was great. I want to do it again. That's my prayer. So thank you very much. We'll close in prayer. <laughs>